What if you could secure, distribute, and promote your music all from one convenient place? What if you could spend more of your time doing what you love to do as a creator? That's what we're going to be looking at in this episode of the New Music Industry Podcast. Today I'm passing the mic with CEO and co-founder of TuneGo, John Cole. How are you today, John? Great. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. So I've heard TuneGo be described as a record label in a box. You allow artists to secure and distribute their music. But the part that immediately caught my attention is that you also do promotion. And that's the part that's often missing in the distribution equation. So tell us how this all works. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, it really all starts with our patented Tungo Vault, uh, which we have over 100 granted patent claims for. And the Tungo Vault is where an artist, whether you're a producer or a songwriter, it's really where you start your creative journey. And it's where you securely store all of your content assets, your project files. It's also where you protect all of your creative rights, meaning your song splits, your metadata. When I say creative rights, I really mean the the metadata that is the foundation of the music industry. Creative rights really define how music royalties are paid. So it's often overlooked, but it's one of the most, outside of the music itself, it's the most important aspect uh, of of music um and so it all starts with the tungo vault um in the tungo vault when you st- start your creative journey our system fingerprints everything so it tracks all the contributions so there's really no contributor that gets left behind songwriters producers engineers session musicians all of their contributions get tracked in our vault then from there, we have uh, deals with all the DSPs, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, all the social platforms, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. So then once you've done that, so you've secured all your content, you've protected your creative rights, you can distribute your music through Tungo. But then we get to the point where you were talking about, which is the promotional aspect. And we have a network of playlist curators, music influencers, and music supervisors. And the way that it works is that we have a system that is like a big data engine that where music fans will go in and review music and they will give it a track rating and we get an abundance of data back. It's not just like a Facebook thumbs up or an Instagram heart. I mean, we get a really detailed report back that gives us really tremendous insight into a song. So using this system, we've been able to take music from really unheard of artists. I mean, 16 year olds that are still in high school and, you know, your bedroom producer, your bedroom artist, if you will, that hasn't really made a name from themselves, but they may have an amazing piece of music that the world hasn't heard of yet. So our system can detect that. And then once we detect that great music, we put that into our promotional engine and through our partners, we've been able to get placements with, the NBA, the Olympics, NFL Monday Night Football, Mercedes-Benz commercials, Nissan commercials. We've had music that's been playlisted on Spotify, on Apple. And so that's what we mean by promotion. And yes, you know, typically that is the job of a quote unquote record label. And that goes back to why we say we're a record label in a box, because we 
in one robust technology platform, provide that end-to-end solution. So if you're an independent artist, you can protect your content, protect your creative rights, distribute your music, get your music on all the socials, and then we'll help you promote that music for licensing, for playlists and all of that. And then we help collect all of the royalties and then distribute those royalties back to you, the artist. Um, So again, we've really built this record label infrastructure, if you will, but it's all at the fingertips of any artist who wants to join Kingo. That sounds excellent. And I think it kind of begs the question, you know, most record deals are basically five to 15%. If you're lucky, like that's what artists make on, on all their merchandise and royalties and everything else. Could this service make record labels obsolete, at least in the sense of, you know, where they, how they acted traditionally? Um, I think, you know, I think the music landscape is constantly evolving. We work with record labels as well. Record labels will use our vault to manage their catalog, their, their con, the, the music catalog, and then the creative rights. So we can help a, a label or a music publisher for that matter, streamline the administration of their catalog. Um, but yeah, for the independent community, you know, if you have the ability to promote yourself, do well on social media and build a name for yourself, then we give you that quote unquote record label infrastructure that, you know, we're just going to be part of the whole, I think, evolutionary process of music, which is constantly changing in the digital age. Um, So I do think that record labels will adapt. You know, they'll always bring value to the equation because they can help invest in an artist in a significant way. Um, But I think one of the main goals with Tungo is when it comes time to get that record deal, let's help that artist get to a point where they have more control and more education over their rights. So they get the better deal. And that's where I think that the record labels are going to have to evolve to compete is that some of those deals that weren't quite as artist friendly, I think the labels are going to have to now offer more artist friendly deals and in order to uh, entice an artist to do a record label, you know, to do, to have a to do a deal with a with a record label, because now in today's world, the artist will have the tools at their disposal to do many of the things that a label used to do on their own. So, kind of our goal is to give power back to the creative community. And even if you do do a record label deal, awesome. Hopefully, you have a little bit more going for you where you're going to be able to. Uh, negotiate better terms for yourself. And it's a deal that's actually really good for you, the artist. I think that's what we would all love to see. So you referred to metadata earlier, and it's something we've talked about on the podcast in the past, but something you offer with Tungo is the ability to have your metadata on the same platform you used to distribute your music. How's that different from what's out there? And what's the advantage of that? Yeah, it's the way that we store it in the vault. And the advantage of it is it like a lot of platforms out there, let's say you use a typical distribution aggregator. Yes, you you'll enter metadata as you're putting your music on Spotify. But then what? Where's that data saved? So the way that we store it in the vault is a way that it could be used for not just distribution, but then if you're going to license your music, you're going to need that information. You're going to need to submit that to a licensing company or a performance rights organization or a collection society. So we put it in one spot in a way on the cloud that it's easily accessible and easily transferable to multiple different engines. And I've never seen 
and distribution channels. And I've never seen a platform that consolidates and streamlines and simplifies the metadata in that way to make it so that just at your fingertips, you can get that into the diff different distribution channels um, so that you collect all of your royalties. You know, that was one of the big problems that we set out to solve. Every year, literally billions of dollars of royalty sits out there in the quote unquote ether that's already been collected. Like Sound Exchange, for example, collects like they sit on about 500 million a year in royalties that they don't distribute, not because they don't want to distribute it, because they don't know where to send it because they don't have the right metadata. And so that's a big problem that we're looking to solve by having a unified system that sits on that. Um, all that metadata makes it easy to get into all the proper channels, not just one channel. And then I have to repeat the process with another channel and then repeat that process again with another channel. We consolidate it all to make it easy so that we want to simplify the business of music so that the artists can focus on doing what they love to do, what they're passionate about, which is making great art. And let's 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 streamline the business part out of that. So they're spending less time on the administrative side of it and more time creating more art that, you know, the whole world wants to hear. Couldn't agree more. You know, it is a complex and siloed industry. And when you really want to go about collecting all your royalties and everything you're owed right now, you got to sign up with multiple companies, sign multiple forms. And to an extent that might still stay in place. But if there is a streamlined way that helps artists get access to all that instantly would make a big difference for a lot of artists being able to focus not on the admin side, but actually on the creative side of music. Totally. So right now I see that Tune Go is invitation only. What are your plans with it? Who's going to be able to take advantage of your platform? Um, we span the gamut from A-list artists all the way to independent artists. Um, ultimately, we will open up the platform for everyone to join. Right now, we do do a bit of a, a curation and we do that for quality control. You know, we want that experience just to be world class, top notch. And so we're doing a little bit of quality control and curation as far as the membership at the moment. But in due time, we will definitely open up the platform so that anyone can come and, and uh, get the value out of, uh, out of Tingo. Yeah, I'd imagine as with anything, there's sort of a testing and experimentation and tracking and figuring out whether it's all working and iteration and all that. So I definitely appreciate that. Yeah. How, much, how much is the service going to cost for musicians? Is it going to be astronomical? No, actually, so it'll start, it, and it's a monthly subscription model. It starts at around $12. Actually, you can join for free. You can start using the system for free. Mm -hmm. So you can get your feet wet as an artist, see if it's something that provides value to you, see if it's something that you as an artist will actually use before then you would then commit to more, a, more of a premium plan, which starts off at $12. So we try to make it as economical as we possibly could. Um, our, if you're going to distribute music through us, it's pretty simple. It's $9 per year per song or $30 per year per album. Pretty competitive with some of the other distribution aggregators. Um, if we license your music, and again, we're very successful at getting your license, your music into these global brands, then we split that licensing revenue, uh, with the artist 50, 50. So it's a back-end deal on the licensing. You know, we're not successful unless you're successful, which is a motto that we try to live by. And then on the NFT marketplace, which yesterday we just announced that we're launching in Forbes, um, that is going to be 10% of the NFT revenue. So again, we want you to be successful as an artist. 
we're building, in our opinion, the best, most robust NFT marketplace specifically for the music industry. We're working with Dapper Labs on that. And we're going to bring a whole bunch of things to the table that other NFT marketplaces don't have. But again, our we're aligned because we want you to be successful. And then we don't charge to, to release NFTs, to market NFTs. We don't charge for auctions or any of that. We only take a back-end 10% fee. And you as the artist take 90% of that, all that NFT revenue. Is this the kind of thing where you'd have to continue to build out the infrastructure as more and more artists joined? Or is it so automated that you can actually have a small team running this entire operation? Yeah, well, we'll definitely have to scale the team, but that's fine. We can do that with the growth and we've been successful at raising capital. So, but the system that we've built is highly scalable. Um, the good thing about it is we built it in a way that we can simply start adding servers and adding servers. So as our growth warrants, we invest in more server power, if you will, but the software itself is built to be global. It's built to be scalable. It's built to handle literally millions and millions of users and tens of millions of transactions. Um, so as far as the scale goes, we've invested pretty significantly over the last couple of years into having software that is going to grow with the community. I like how you think as well, because it sounds like you're really trying to create a one-stop shop for different revenue streams, which again, right now, artists have to go to three different sites, 10 different sites, 11 different businesses, who knows how many there are to be able to claim all this or be able to take advantage of all of it and really work hard to get things like licensing placements, right? So that is the goal. You know, we, I mean, the way I look at it now, now that NFTs is, uh, you know, is the big thing right now. And NFTs has huge future in terms of creative rights and revenue generation and fan engagement. You know, I'm a big, big proponent in NFTs. We have some really big drops that are coming. Our first drop will be with Method Man, who's going to release new music, artwork, and a few other things. And kind of the strategy is, is that you come onto Tungo, you put all of your art into the vault, you secure your creative rights in the vault, you can mint an NFT on our marketplace, you can then distribute your music after the NFT drops through our distribution engine, which puts it then on Spotify, everything from Spotify to TikTok, all the way down to Peloton. So, I mean, we literally put your music everywhere on the on the streaming platforms and on the socials then we can help you license your music and the great thing about that is not only do we have all those channels is that we're collecting the revenue and it all comes back to one spot so your nft revenue your streaming revenue your social royalties your licensing revenue all literally comes back into tungo and then goes back to you the artist so it just it streamlines your life as an artist it streamlines the business of music for you so again you go make more great art yeah i think i heard tim ferris say nifties that's pretty funny but nfts what do you see as being the future for that is that like a really viable thing for independent artists 100 so on so many different levels there's the obvious component that everybody chases which is it's a new digital revenue stream there's the fan engagement piece of it that I love. There's the fact that NFTs now can serve actually as a marketing and promotional mechanism for you before you actually release music. So an NFT can help to create some noise, create some exposure for your music, and then you put it out on streaming. And then the one thing that I really love is the creative rights aspect to it. 
where I think the future of, of NFTs is going, the real underlying foundational that actually is involved with the creative rights, selling music rights and selling music catalogs is a big multi-billion dollar a year business now. Like Hypno Merck at Hypnosis has invested $2 billion in the last couple of years. Universal Music invested $3 billion last year in music catalogs they didn't already own. BlackRock, the biggest private equity firm in the world, put up, invested a billion. You have Primary Wave. You have all these big music publishers that are literally buying catalogs for billions of dollars. The Red Hot Chili Peppers sold their catalog for $140 million. But even on a more of a micro level, you have art, you have investors that are now learning that music is an investable asset. So even if they buy a piece of a song, that can be, it, it, it's almost like an annuity. You know, streaming is driving record music profits. Music royalties pay for 70 years beyond the death of an artist. And so an art, if you're an independent artist and you have a great song and you want to give away a percentage, 10%, 20%, 50% of your streaming royalties to an NFT buyers, that could be a good win-win solution. Because the, the NFT buyer is buying into an investable asset that pays that buyer royalties. But then that independent artist that may not have as much money in their bank account could get essentially an upfront payment. Instead of having to wait for all those streaming royalties to come in, they can take that NFT sale, give away a portion of their streaming royalties, get a check upfront that they can reinvest into new music. Maybe it's a music video. Maybe it's studio time. Maybe it's whatever it is, marketing that music on social media, it could be anything. So it's a way to get a bigger check up front. And I think that's incredibly valuable to an independent artist to get some money rather than waiting for the long tail of streaming royalties, get some of that money up front. Plus it creates a real deep connection between the artist and the fan that's never there's never been created before. Now you have the fan actually investing into music in a meaningful way that creates a whole new level of fan engagement. That's where I really see the future of NFTs. I know everyone's caught up in the noise and in, in all of that. To me, the real under, underlying value of NFTs is that piece of the creative rights. And that's where I think the future is. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause stream, streaming is very much a long-term game and it's not immediately sustainable for most artists. So exactly. Be, yeah. It'd be really great to see artists have that early on and be able to engage in their creativity more. Right. There's never been so many opportunities, platforms and income streams for artists yet. The prevailing opinion of so-called YouTube influencers seems to be that making a career out of music is really hard. And I get that it can be a real challenge at times because I've been through that too. Where do you see things going? Uh, yeah, it's hard. Music is a tough game. I mean, there's no question about it. Our job at working at Tungo, our mission is to give the creative community the tools to hopefully make that game a little bit easier. But at the end of the day, you have to, if you're looking to monetize your music, if you want to make a career out of music, you know, it, you're going to have to create art that people want. And that is, an, is the factor that I can, Tungo can give all the tools in the world, all the features in the world. If there's not art that people don't want to consume, then it's, you know, then it's going to be tough to build a career out of that. So 
music's tough. I look at music a lot like I look at sports. And, you know, in sports, you have tens of millions of high school athletes that become hundreds of thousands of college athletes that are dwindled down to basically under 500 people that are in the NBA. So you have tens of millions of people trying to become 500 people in the NBA or under a thousand people in the NFL or whatever it is. Music's like that. It's, it's a, it's a professional sports like, uh, you know, it's a professional sports like environment. And if you're really going to make it to the top, you're gonna have to put in the work, you know, it's, it's a lot of work and, uh, you have to stay dedicated to your craft, stay passionate about your art. I always think the breakout artists are the ones that stay true to themselves. That'd be my only advice. Stay true to your art. Don't let other people tell you what, um, you know, what, what you should be doing on a commercial level. Like I look at red hot chili peppers had a different sound. They became immensely successful, you have the Wu-Tang Clan on the other hand, you know, they didn't listen to the uh, the um, commercial norms and formulas. You have 21 Pilots. The first time I heard 21 Pilots' first album, I thought, this is like one of the greatest things I've ever heard because mm. it's not like everything I've ever heard. They stay true to themselves. So I think as an artist, stay true to yourself and, uh, you know, then the chips are going to, you know, fall where they fall. I was asked a similar question the other day and I said, the greatest challenge is that it's about the music and it's not about the music. It's about <laughs> right. the music because you have to have a really great craft and it's not yeah. about the music because you almost have to be a personality. I look at someone like Zuby and you know, his, he's as much of a Twitter personality as he is a rapper, right. And, yeah. and a podcaster and so on and so forth. So it's like, you gotta be able to do multiple things or at least have something that brings fans in that attracts them to you i think that's such a great point you you do you're gonna have to learn how to you know create that's the cool thing though about the i think technology is it gives you these avenues where you can express your personality in and out of music and hopefully build a fan base and then if you build a fan base outside of music you know you can drive them to your music so there's lots of avenues. Um, it's a tough game to stay committed. The music industry as a whole, for fairly obvious reasons now, is going digital. What do you see happening in the industry right now? And where do you see things going? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think NFTs is the next big frontier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because of the transparency of creative rights. I think streaming is here to stay. I mean, that's pretty much a given. I know there used to be a debate. I used to laugh when there was a debate. Oh, who's going to win streaming or downloads? I was like, you got to be kidding me. You know, I have to spend a dollar a download or I can spend $10 to have every access to every song on the planet. That's a no brainer. Yeah. So streaming is here to stay. I think that technology is going to continue to really create cool experiences and without getting overly too tech nerd, I mean, I see things like OLED screens where of which, you know, in less than 10 years, OLEDs are going to be your entire wall in your house. Then you've got VR and you're going to have all these virtual concert live event types of situations going on. So digital is going to completely take over. And I'm not saying that you're, we're going to replace or technology will replace live events because i think there's always something special about that live event but i can really see something like somebody having a house party with a beautiful oled screen or some oculus headgear or whatever it is some vr stuff going on 
where you're like literally engaged in ways that people aren't even thinking about yet, where you're watching these concerts, you know, these virtual concerts and these live events. And then during the, since it's all in this VR world, you know, alongside this live event, it's probably showing you links to the Spotify, links to the social channel. So it's just going to become this, you know, once the metaverse and all of that starts to take over, it's just going to be these fully, fully encompassed, just immersive experience. This is, I think it's going to be amazing to watch. That's one reason why I got in tech. I got in tech because I wanted to be part of something that was always fresh, always changing. And I wanted to be a part of something where I could somewhat predict the future, but that I also couldn't predict everything because there's so many great minds out in the world that there's going to be all these things that are going to keep popping up, you know, out of nowhere seemingly. And it's just going to all make for a, you know, a phenomenal experience. So I see the future of music as being very bright. I think that tech and music is just a natural marriage. And I, I think that, you know, the music industry is never going to look back. We had those years between 2000 and 2015 where the music industry was just going down, tanking, tanking revenue and all of that. I think we're past that. I think the future is really bright for the creative community. And that segues nicely into the next section of the show where we want to develop your character and personality for the listeners. So what's the last YouTube video you watched? Probably something with Lionel Messi or Ronaldo because I watch a lot of soccer with my son hmm. or Brightside. I watch a lot of Brightside with my son and my kids. You know, it's just like these really cool little, you know, things. It seems like if you watch Brightside enough that you could basically win any game of Jeopardy <laughs> just because you get all these random facts. So that's pretty much what dominates YouTube in our house. It's it's music it's soccer and it's like it's these bright side and then they also watch a lot of the gaming you know different gamers that are on youtube so that's pretty much what dominates if you if you log into my youtube that's what's gonna basically take <laughs> over the home screen awesome and what's your daily routine like i wake up early i try to work out as early as i can because my day is pretty crazy i mean it i start pretty much around 5 a.m. And I typically end at around 11 p.m. or midnight and it's nonstop. So the first thing that I try to do is actually is work out or exercise. And it's because it keeps me balanced. It keeps, you know, we have Tungo alone has so much going on right now that I have to keep that balance. And it helps me to stay calm and not get overly stressed out or not feel overwhelmed. There's just something about having that, um, that like physical athletic experience that releases all the chemicals and endorphins that just helps me slide right into the workday. So hopefully I'm done with that. Then my kids start waking up, I get them off to school, then I'm off to work. And then once I'm off to work, it's pretty much a blur because things are coming at us like, I mean, like this now. We're, we're, we have some huge announcements coming over the next 30, 60, 90 days that are all really exciting. Mm -hmm. Everything from big celebrity NFT drops to deals with record labels to some new advancements in technology that I don't think are on anyone's radar right now that we're going to be advancing. Uh, we're going to be part of a big event with Dapper Labs. It's going to be a big crypto uh, NFT virtual event that'll start in October. Um, so yeah, I mean, my day is pretty intense. It's, it's nonstop. It's all day. And uh, 
you know, but it's fun because I love what I do. And as they say, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. What you said is absolutely critical. You know, I always try to get some exercise in and meditation in and watch my caffeine consumption. That's a big one. <laughs> if I take yeah. too much, I go crazy and it, it doesn't, yeah, yeah. doesn't work for life. So, <laughs> and get out into nature two hours a week. I always make that a goal too. For, yeah, no, for that, that's a great, that's another great one. Just to, it, it, it's also very helpful for your mind to do all of that. Are there any books that have helped you on your journey? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I'm more of an audible person. I just, <laughs> with my life, I find that I absorb very well because to me, audible is almost like a podcast format. Yeah. And there's not one that really comes to mind per se, but if there's a topic, that's where I dive. You know, like when I started getting into blockchain, I just started blockchain books and then it was NFTs, NFT books, you know? And so any topic that I'm kind of focused on at the moment, I'll just go to Audible, read all the reviews, read the ratings. I'm on I don't, I don't have, I don't care at all what critics say. I care what people say. So I always go into the, the, the real people reviews and see what everyone has to say. And then I'll pick a, you know, four or five or whatever that look good to me. And I'll just take that deep dive. For me, I love to take deep dives into different topics, you know, whatever is the quote unquote topic of the day. So that's what really drives my audible routine. That reminds me of when I used to come across certain personalities that I resonated with. So I would come across someone like Seth Godin, and then I would just download all the podcasts I could find with Seth Godin interviews. And then I would end up connecting with certain hosts. So I would stay on their podcasts and keep listening to them. It's a pretty fun experience. Exactly. Yeah. That's how my evolution has has worked as well. And Seth had some very influential books earlier on in my tech career. So, you know, definitely can't discount his books. I would say he's kind of the, uh, some of those, uh, text scriptures, if you will, you know, they kind of laid the, help lay the foundation of a lot of great thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. It's almost like every blog post could change the way you think about life. (laughs) It gets pretty intense after a while. Yeah. Yeah. What's the greatest challenge you've overcome as an entrepreneur? I think learning how to, stay focused and stay, as they say, even keel, you know, to use that term. Um, I've had to teach myself to not get too excited about wins and not get down on myself about losses, you know? And I think as an entrepreneur, your failures equals your success. So it's all about how you embrace failure because entrepreneurs, the definition of entrepreneurship is failure. And so, and I, I've been hit with bad news right before having to do a big presentation, you know? And I mean, like, so it's, I had to learn how to compartmentalize things in a way that I can focus on the moment and not let good news or bad news take me too high or take me too low. So I think that was the greatest challenge. Once I feel, and I feel like I've mastered that pretty well, where I stay pretty, you know, even keel. That to me has been the greatest challenge that I've mastered because even with the wins, you know, you get a great win. If you're going to sit around and spend the rest of the day high-fiving, you're losing because other people are still moving forward. It's kind of like when I was growing up playing sports, people, the coach used to always tell me, 
Well, if you're not practicing, somebody is. Yeah. Well, yeah, you should celebrate the wins. I mean, you should definitely not downplay them. You should be happy about them. But if you spend all day doing high fives, look at me and doing touchdown dances when you get a win, then you've taken your eye off the prize. Because like, we'll get wins with Tungo, for example. And I always tell people, that's cool. We got another first down, but we're not in the end zone because we haven't accomplished our mission. Our mission is to get all the way to the end zone. Our mission is to change the game for the creative community. You know, it's kind of like when Steve Jobs says, I knew I made it when I was walking around New York City and I looked around and everybody had white ear pods in. He's like, that's when I knew that I've, I made it. And he was already successful. <laughs> this was, you know, 20 years after, 15 years after he started Apple or whatever it was. So, yeah, to me, it's learning how to compartmentalize your emotion and stay focused and just try to stay even keel, appreciate your wins, um, really appreciate your failures. Because if you handle failure correctly and you learn from it and you don't beat yourself up too badly on it, beat yourself up in a way of how can I improve? How do I learn from this failure? Don't beat yourself up from a psychological standpoint, like I'm a failure because everyone's going to fail. Mark Cuban, you know, Kevin O'Leary, uh, Richard Branson. I mean, they all say the same thing. I failed a billion times and that's why I succeed. Michael Jordan has the, the one of the best Nike commercials of all times go is a minute long of Michael Jordan talking about all he, all his failures. And at the end he says, and that's why I succeed. So I think learning how to deal with all that, was the greatest challenge that I, that I've learned to overcome. And since then, you know, I think that things have been moving forward in a positive way. I think Russell Brunson started his podcast as his company was going down and losing hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the concept was funny because it was recorded on the way into work. So as he's driving, he's, he's recording the podcasts and, but you know, the point is he got started and look at where he is now. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What's the greatest victory you've experienced as an entrepreneur? Purely on the entrepreneurial standpoint, I mean, there's a lot of victories that have gone into our journey. I don't feel like I've achieved the ultimate victory yet. Um, I think from a life standpoint, learning how to manage everything that I have going on with business, but still stay dedicated and provide time to my family is my greatest victory because my family is my foundation and my rock. And so, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs I've talked to that are ahead of me in years, they go, you know, my number one regret in life is that I didn't spend enough time with my kids growing up. So, or my, you know, I neglected my wife and didn't get spend enough time because I was so focused on my work. Now I feel like I'm hyper crazy focused and invested into my job. I spend an obscene number of hours a day but I still take time to be highly involved with my family. And so to me in entrepreneurship, that's my greatest victory. Well, we've packed a lot into a short amount of time. Thanks for your time and generosity, John. Is there anything else I should have asked? No, I think this is a great interview. And uh, I'm sure, you know, after you always think, oh, I wish I had something else to say. <laughs> but no, I, I think we covered all the ground. I thought it was an interesting conversation. I appreciate the time. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, for all of you listening, make sure to check out Tungo. If you're not subscribed to the podcast already, be sure that you are subscribed. If you're watching this on YouTube, then also like, comment, and subscribe. Thanks so much for watching. Thank you. 
So if you enjoyed this episode and you're looking to put the right structures in place to ensure your success, I'd like to invite you to pick up a copy of the Music Entrepreneur Code, my best-selling guide on cracking the code on independent music career success. For in-depth insights into making your passion sustainable and profitable, go to musicentrepreneurhq.com code for your copy. This has been episode 248 of the New Music Industry Podcast. I'm David Andrew Weep, and I look forward to seeing you on the stages of the world. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. Music.